0: Welcome to the How Great Events Happen Podcast. I'm Cody.
1: And I'm Brooke.
0: And we are coming to you today from our respective home offices in Portland, Oregon.
1: Things are changing faster than ever in the events industry, so we reached out to some experts to help give us insights into what event professionals are doing to quickly pivot their event strategy.
0: That's right. And today we have Allison Monroe to talk about how she quickly pivoted to virtual events.
1: Yeah, she has some really great tips on how to leverage content in a virtual environment, especially when you're moving to virtual after creating content for a live event. You're not gonna wanna miss this one. We know it's on the top of many event professionals' minds.
0: Yeah, that's right. So let's go ahead and get to the conversation with Allison.
1: Allison, thank you so much for joining us. Can you just tell us a little bit about what your role is and maybe what you've been up to for the past couple of weeks?
2: Yeah, so I am in an interesting position. I'm the CMO at Venice Solutions, um, and I joined 12 weeks ago, and that was about six weeks before the world as we know it changed. Oh my gosh. So there's been a lot going on that I I know we'll dive into. That
1: is bananas. Um, What a time to jump in. Have you been in the
2: events industry for a while? So I in my entirety have produced over a thousand events um, in North America and some in the UK. Um, And that's everything from small, intimate executive type meetups or large conferences and tours in between. But my actual event career, if you will, started um, in the music industry. So I used to build a lot of events um, promoting underground artists and emerging artists from around the world. And actually learned how to build audiences and experience both on site and through digital channels uh, that way. For about it was about 20 years ago when that when I started in in events.
0: Wow, in the music industry, that is so cool. I heard though recently that you hosted a virtual event. Can you tell us a little bit about that one?
2: Yeah, so we've I've hosted a lot of virtual events. So when you think about what virtual meant. I think up until a few weeks ago, it was an option to, you know, engage audiences at scale, and usually audiences you didn't know, right? So when you think of what a webinar meant, um, or a Zoom meetup, or even as you know, tools like Slack facilitated communities, um, it's changed, and it changed dramatically. So we were um, about six weeks ago. Or yeah, about six weeks ago, we were planning our customer conference, and it was going to happen in Vegas this year. And we were expecting about 500 people from all over North America to come. Um, and of course, we were faced with a difficult decision. With you know the world going as our normal norm or where we are today, um, we had to make the decision to either pivot or to cancel. Um, and we actually decided to pivot. And so what that meant was we had to take an onsite experience that was going to be delivered for the fourth year in a row online, and we actually launched today. So there is a there is a path <laughs> to making that happen, but it wasn't an easy one. Um, and it really, you know, when I think about when we were making the decision and what we had to go through, what's interesting is when transitioning from onsite to virtual. I think the number one thing we had to think about was what does that experience actually look like, because it's different than a webinar, right? And you see some events that have gone online recently and with, you know, much shorter time frames, you know, they can be just a stream of content, but where we were really focused is how do we actually make that experience as much as you can get of the onsite experience online and bring that to life. And so we spent the last, you know, four or five weeks, which is never enough time to do any event in person or online, really looking at what are the elements of that and what's important to creating an experience both online and on site my gosh.
1: Yes. I think this is like what's on the top of everyone's mind right now. And I love that you said we've done virtual before because you keep hearing that over and over is, you know, we we're acting like virtual is just a new, a, a new thing out there, but we've been doing this before and there are some learnings, but I have to imagine making a pivot that close um, with that little time. There's a lot of people within your organization that were part of that decision. Can you just give me a little overview of who those people
2: were and how you made a
1: decision like that?
2: Yeah, I think when you when you think about a customer focused event and where it started, um, that usually involves everybody in the organization. So of course the obvious teams of having our customer management team, but also our training team, our product team, um, our services team, our marketing team, our sales team. So it really was a full organization initiative. Um, and really that was the difficult challenge because with everything else going on and multiple priorities and you know adapting to a virtual work environment, you know, how do you organize this pivot and transition everybody, you know, get them in line to this new experience? And that's really through the customer. And that's how we approached it. Because what all of those teams have in common is the customer and creating a customer experience. And so it actually caused us to stop for a minute and go, you know, when you're changing from online to on-site it's not just where it's physically happen, happening, it's a different medium, right? So it's a different delivery of content. It's a different time timeframe. Um, so we were really close to execution and with all of those people involved, we had to actually stop and think about who was our audience, what was it they needed now and how could we deliver that to create, you know, the ultimate experience by, by way of a virtual channel. And so we really looked at the intersection between our content and our audience. And I find that when you're, you know, it's funny because I think about when people think about events and they think about weddings, you never lose sight of the groom and the bride, right? You never lose sight of everybody's dietary restrictions. Um, Every little detail of what that experience is meant to be is focused on the audience or the people that are hosting it. And I think sometimes in corporate events, we can lose sight of the why or the who, which is our audience. And we can often come with, this is what we as an organization need to do this quarter or this month or this year. And this really allowed the opportunity for us to really focus around the customer and think about where our customer was, you know, both mentally and physically, and how we could create the content experience to give them what they need at this time to help them and make their lives better. And that's how we were able to rally as an organization to really almost reinvent or iterate alongside our content to be able to meet our launch date, um, which was only two weeks away. And we were already in execution mode so it's a heavy lift but if you can find sort of your reason why and connect what I call the intersection of your audience and your content and the channel then you can really focus on how do we bring the best of everybody together to create that virtual experience and provide our audience something unique that they can't get somewhere else and what they need today.
1: You know Alison I hear so much energy behind your voice that I have to ask I know it was a crazy short amount of time that you had to pivot, (laughs) but was it in a way almost kind of exciting because you got to do something new and different and really think about your event in new ways?
2: Yeah, and I think what you hear in my voice is the energy from the last three weeks of almost sleepless nights. But if you can imagine, I'm a new CMO in a new organization with a new team on a new challenge. And what it really allowed us to do was connect and rally around one goal together and almost do it you know, together because nobody had really done it before. So it kind of level set and allowed us to have a growth mindset and a willingness for everyone to jump in and participate and it, and it enabled us to, to keep enthusiasm and excitement even though we were all socially isolated or working in a virtual world and we weren't a virtual organization prior right? And we're a brand new team of 30 marketers, right? So how do you how do you infuse that energy and keep people going? You're absolutely right in that it, it gave us, like it created a connection for us and something to rally around and it gave us purpose. And actually that goes back to when you think about, you know, the core of your customer or your audience that you're creating the event for, you know, what is the purpose and why are you doing this and how do you deliver it? And I think that's true um, for a lot of marketers is you get really excited by delivering experiences that not only convert, but that drive the outcome you're looking for through that experience.
0: Oh, I, I wish I sounded as good as you do right now with sleepless nights, honestly. So um, <laughs> I just want, but I wanted to, I want to ask, you, you brought some good stuff about, you know, like focusing on content and your audience. And that is so, so crucial. I'm curious though. I want to know like, when doing one of your virtual events, like what content had you already developed before making the decision to go virtual?
2: Oh, we we had developed everything. So we had um, 30 sessions across four days and different streams and keynotes and breakouts. And when you have to deliver that online, it's a completely different experience, right? Because when you're on a stage and there are lights and sound and entertainment and all of the things that can supplement um, the actual presenting content, either on your slide or for the speaker's uh, presentation, you know, it comes together in almost, you know, it's completely focused on the content online. So how do you deliver that? So we had to take a step back and think about, how do you reinvent hands-on training? How do you deliver a keynote that's impactful, right? How do you make content accessible to people who maybe can't sit online for the entire week, but want to engage with your content? And so we, we did, we, we did a refresh on a lot of the content that we were gonna deliver. We found the right technology, which. By the way, it was not a simple solution. I'm sure that will change in the future, <laughs> but we had to, you know, put together a, a three or four different pieces of technology to, you know, go live on our virtual platform to create a simulated event experience. So it wasn't just, you know, a, a single stream or a learning, um, a learning management software. Right? It's creating a virtual experience where we actually have virtual Venonites on the screen that you can interact with, recreating. You know, not just content and presentations, but recreating the interaction experience. So how do you do a Q and A? And rather than just a chat bot, because that doesn't feel like you're connecting. Um, how do you create interactive sessions with keynote speakers? How do you still deliver on those VIP meetups? We're actually doing a virtual book signing with, a, with an author, um, an internationally renowned author who's going to be doing a virtual book signing for us. So when you when you think about creating that experience online, that's not only content driven, but interactive, um, and making that happen within an endless amount of time, which is another thing we arrived at. It's almost like time and space don't matter. So how do you create that you know, live combination interactivity, the right value of learning and training content, all while doing it within you know, a larger space and time to actually be able to reach and engage more people but more effectively. And I think you know, that's the sweet spot. Um, Is You can't just deliver the content you were going to deliver in person. And you can't use the tools or the people or the plans or the methodology that you were going to do in person. You really have to think about, you know, the channel completely changing the medium across the delivery and what human connection means when you're on a virtual platform.
1: Oh my gosh, yes. That that uh, attendee engagement, I, it, it totally changes when you imagine them sitting at home versus sitting in a ballroom in Las Vegas. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot. How did you solve for the live Q&A part?
2: So we, again, piecing together a couple platforms. So we actually used an LMS, a virtual event platform that we did a bit of a hack around, um, you know, our marketing automation, as well as, um, a community type forum platform. So we're, we're piecing together um, live community chat around all con- around all content delivery, but then we're also creating virtual rooms that you can decide to go on camera or not, and actually have conversations with our keynotes um, that you've been invited to. So there is a gating in there, but really trying to c- recreate that human connection online so that people, you can see people's faces and you can hear their voices and you can ask questions um, and you can create those unique experiences. You know, I think on the flip side of that, um, you know, when you think about exhibit booths, (laughs) how do you recreate that online, right? So we actually, the um, event platform that we're working with, we actually created simulated um, exhibit booths. So we have both our partners and our sponsors, as well as Um, you know, our Network for Women, which is a Vena-driven internal organization that is an ERG group that supports um, advocacy for women in tech and finance. And they actually have virtual booths where they will have um, chat, yes, um, the ability to have one-to-one meetings booked through video conferencing, um, as well as to schedule a one-to-one real-time call outside of the conference. And so it's really about bringing all those channels and opportunities to connect and giving your audience what they deem is best for them at that time, again, while really trying to create those unique experiences. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't go lean. We certainly um, tried to deliver on the best that we can to, you know, meet our audience where they are and give them the chance to interact how is best for them.
0: For you, what was the most surprising thing about going virtual? Just like the most surprising thing.
2: I don't want to say that we pulled it off, <laughs> but, you know, let's be human here. I think, you know, when you're on a, a really tight deadline and you're, you know, adapting your plans to a pivoting world, you know, it, it, it comes with a lot of um, things you don't know until you don't know them, right? Or, you know, we were in situations where you sometimes can't anticipate some of the challenges that you're up against and the nuances in design experience. Like, there's a whole different set of learnings. And I, again, I've done a lot of physical events online, um, as well as, sorry, both physical and online, but it, it becomes different when the norm and the only option is virtual. Whereas when we think about where we started the conversation, you know, we've always done virtual events, but I would say we've always done them to supplement human interaction in person. And we're now in a situation where we're actually looking at how do we create a, a single and only path to connection via the web, right? So the fact that we were able to pull together the um, platforms then maybe, you know what, that's the short answer is the fact that there was not one single platform that actually met our dreams or our idea of what that would mean. And I'm sure that, like I said, I'm sure that will change, but maybe that was the most surprising moment was that there wasn't a single solution that we could go to, to really create, you know, the virtual conference experience and online experience that we, we, we could dream up and had wanted for our customers. Yeah, it really comes down to like those integrations,
1: right? I'm sure integrating different platforms together to get what what you want that experience to look like. I've even been surprised this week learning about some of the integration opportunities that could make this so much easier. It's it's really a learning experience for us all.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like getting everything on one platform is like the biggest surprise to you. Would you say that that was also like The most challenging part about it, too, is just getting all that to work together, all those moving parts to be in sync.
2: Absolutely. You know, you have to get the the platform to work together to provide the experience. You also have to make sure that it's connected to, you know, your marketing automation or your CRM. Um, So you have the experience platform, but then how does that experience platform interact with? You know, your, your CRM or marketing automation to make sure that you're actually able to deliver the personalized experience and speak to people ahead of and after the event in a way that, you know, it, it's personalized and like you actually had a connection, you know, in real life, as they say, or in person. So there's the actual event experience and how do you execute that and string that together? And then how do you take your existing systems and map, you know, the systems and the data to make sure that you can get, you know, the right experience guided through your communication throughout the entire experience. And I think for people that are in the situation that are doing that right now, you know, I've been in SaaS for a really long time, and both coming from marketing automation and CRM, and that can be, you know, a three to six month program or project in itself, right? So there's the experience, there's the communication, there's the content delivery, there's the interaction, you know, how do you, how do you get guest speakers we're not flying in everybody into an audience right so you're setting up adjacent virtual experiences to uh, whether in studio or otherwise to have your keynotes participate so there's there's different streams now when you think about really creating and executing a virtual experience that that hits all the all the points you you know you would normally take for granted when you're at a conference or in person
1: yeah And so for our audience out there that is sitting on 300 different sessions worth of content and are right now figuring out how to pivot to a virtual experience, what would you recommend to them on how how to leverage all that content they
2: have? I think it's starting with your audience. Start with your audience, and I don't mean that in one general segment, Um, You know, segmentation and and having the data to be able to do that. So we did a big mapping exercise around our personas, but also around our, our power users and the people that use our product every day and are looking to potentially buy our product and really prioritizing the content based on, you know, what they need now. And then how do you not only deliver that content as part of the experience, but it doesn't have to end there we're going to continue to deliver some of that content because as you've spoken about, you know, sometimes there's 100 or 300 sessions that has already been programmed and built. So how do you continue to maybe nurture or drip that content out over a period of time when we're in a world where there is no space and time? And how do you make that a guided journey by the, by the individuals who are interacting with you and your content rather than you know, taking almost like an old broadcast model and putting it all up at one time where everyone's running around from room to room, you can really start to build um, an interactive experience that lasts longer than your actual conference did with that content to support your your customers and, and potential buyers or your community, you know, not only during that week, but before and beyond.
0: Yeah, I love that. I feel like that is a huge takeaway right there that like, it's not just you know, a finite time. This, t- this content can actually be spread out and be used for a long period of time for people. So this is awesome. Allison, thank you so much for joining. I have to ask you my favorite question. If you had to tell event planners just one thing you know, to either do or be thinking about when it comes to going virtual for their next event, what would that one thing be?
2: I think it's about not losing empathy and continuing to deliver on your brand promise. I like that. Short and I love that. Yeah. I, really thinking about, like, who is your audience and what are you trying to accomplish here? Because we can get caught up so quickly in all of the things we're trying to overcome that I think it's very easy to lose sight of the why, to borrow from Simon Sinek, you know, why we're actually creating this event and what it means to the people we want to interact with. And I think that's very important to continue as you face the challenges of system integration, you know, content adaptation channel delivery and beyond. There's, there's a lot in there to unpack. So just stay true to the core of the why and the reason. And I think you'll, you'll find your guiding light. Absolutely. And I'm sure that you
1: had to get up to speed on all of the ins and outs of virtual events and are continuing to educate yourself on what's going on with regards to the events industry. Is there any resources that you would recommend our audience um, plugging into listening, reading during
2: this time? Right now, I find LinkedIn because it's from, from within the community and a lot of marketers and event planners are really sharing and calling out to the community to collaborate in real time. Um, so that's right now where I'm finding a lot of um, my shared insights and being able to collaborate. Um, I'm open to referring or, or viewing others as well, but I'm finding LinkedIn to be my, my single source of community right now. Yep. those All the communities are kind of blowing up in a really great
1: way right now. Everybody's coming together and sharing their tips and tricks and learnings as we go here. Um, thank you again, Allison, so much for joining us. The insights were amazing and we are putting good vibes out there that everything goes smoothly with a virtual event. It sounds like you're off to a great start.
0: Yeah, best of luck. Allison had some Great tips for our audience about planning and executing live events. What an interesting interview.
1: Oh my gosh. I agree. And for our listeners, thank you for joining us this week on the How Great Events Happen podcast. To get more episodes and exclusive content, head on over to cvent.com slash podcast. Check out the episode description for a link to additional resources about virtual events.
0: Yeah. And if anyone out there is also handling event shifts to virtual or postponing and has tips or tricks they would like to share, please let us know by emailing us at podcast at cvent.com. We would love to have you on the show. Now next week will be another great episode, so we'll talk to you then. Bye. Bye.